Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out this week's episode of the One Man Podcast. It's always free and available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, and many more, as well as on the web at onemanpodcast.com. So please, whatever platform you're listening on, like and subscribe. Uh, while you're at it, give it a rating, leave a review. Why? Because it helps the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. How about that? What about social media? Search One Man Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's going on there. Get a little extra content for yourself. And finally, to get in touch, please send your emails to contact at onemanpodcast.com. You send it, I read it on the podcast, that's the deal. Thanks for listening, guys, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? This is DJ DeMers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up, guys? This is Paul Verzi, and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 154 for Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. How's it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? You guys still loving this quarantine? Are you still hating this quarantine? Are you still losing your mind in the quarantine? I would imagine if you've lost your mind, you're probably not still listening to the podcast. You're you're boarding up windows on, uh, let's say, the second story of your home. I'm going to assume most of you have got homes, good people, right? You got the boards across the windows, just enough room for you to peer out and stick a shotgun barrel through the boards, right? So you can make threats as people walk by on the street. Get inside. Don't come any closer. Social distancing. Rack that. Get out of here. Final warning. Stand your ground claws. Whatever it is. I Oh, I, I think that's actually, that's happened since the, uh, wow, I can't even believe I put this in my notes. Guys, we got stuff to talk about this week, you know? Nothing more. This is still the dog fucker podcast. Um, I got to put this out. Sorry. Just, I can't believe I didn't put it in my notes. Uh, Not that I have a lot of, you know, thoughts on it. Uh, I've got a couple little anecdotes, but I don't know that they're mine to share. So Um, sorry, just in my notes. What are we going to talk about guys? Um, I had a doctor's appointment via the phone. I'll tell you what that's like in case you're wondering like, Oh, you know, what's it like for these people meeting and seeing doctors? Well, I can tell you, I had a small experience with one. Um, finished overcooked too. played some other video games. Uh, my dad, uh, hooked me up with some stuff. I'll tell you a little bit about it. nothing spectacular. Finished a game called the bridge. Um, I, I bought some games at a Japanese sale on the PlayStation store. That's what they call it. The Japanese sale or something like that, or turning Japanese or something like that. I didn't read it. Um, I, uh, I've been doing a bit of a food inventory and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you my very brief thoughts on the uh, shooting in Nova Scotia. Cause that's topical, right? The only thing that's been in Canadian news that's, uh, that's not been coronavirus. Um, so yeah, why don't I get right into it? So I'm going to tell you guys a little something. I didn't tell you about it. Cause I was a little, I was a little scared and, uh, and I didn't know. Yeah, whatever. It's my usual thing for those of you who may be relatively new to the podcast. I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. I have a fear of death and anything that makes me feel like, Oh shit, this could be something really bad. Uh, scares me. And I'm usually a little reluctant to, you know, go get, you know, what my craziness tells me will be confirmation of said fear. Um, but this has actually been something that, that I've been dealing with for quite some time. Uh, well, I mean a few months, but for the nature of what it was, I, I feel like this has been quite some time anyways. So, uh, the, the day or two before I left for my trip to Scotland, which was in February, um, I was doing a a sampling as I used to, when I used to be able to go outside and give people free food and things. And, you know, no one was scared. It was a simpler time guys. Um, I did one at the, uh, 
the the LCBO, and I was I was finished. I was dressed all in black because I look very professional when I do these tastings, right? Black dress pants, black shirt. And um, I was just, someone had left their cart in the middle of the store. So I was being a nice guy. I, I was, I was on my way out. I grabbed the cart. I still bring it back to the front. And as I'm, as, as I, I don't think it was actually, it couldn't have been a cart because anyways, I, there, I was going back to the cart area. It might've been a basket, probably a basket because as I was walking towards the baskets, which were beside the carts, that's why I thought it was a cart. Um, I slipped in like melted snow slush or whatever the front, which couldn't see on the floor. So it was just all like water. Couldn't see it. I slipped and I was walking in a hurry because I was done. I want to get the fuck out of there. Right. I had to come home and pack. Um, I slipped and fell right on my right hip. Uh, like, and hard, I slipped, fell all my weight, boom. Cause I, I, I wasn't expecting to, to anyways, whatever I fell, I fell right on my fucking hip and it hurt. But at the moment I was actually just more pissed off because it was all like salt, salt slush water, whatever. Right. So I'm in black. I had my coat on, my coat is also black. So I just fell and I got covered in the salt water. And I'm like, oh, great. This is all going to turn white with all the fucking salt in it when it dries. You know, I think I was more upset about my jacket. Cause I'm like, I, my clothes can go in the wash, but I'm like, I don't. Uh, whatever, whatever you f- slip and fall. You're not, nobody's usually happy about it right away. All right. So I get in the car, but my, my hip hurt my, my, I think my knee hurt, but I really didn't think much, much of the pain. It was more the frustration in the moment. And then I, you know, went home, clean my jacket, whatever. Who gives a fuck? Um, fast forward to, you know, five or six days later, I'm in Scotland. Um, I'm, I got that sweet transfer of rooms from my friends at the, the front desk at the Glen Hill hotel and resort spa. Um, great people, great people. They still actually, some of them still, uh, reach out to me on Facebook, see how I'm doing everything like that. I love those people. And that is definitely my home in Glasgow when I, uh, when I go back, um, but, uh, anyways, I, I was transferring rooms and so I was packing all the our stuff. Simon was in London at the time. So I was getting all of our stuff. And I remember like I leaned, uh, I went to lean on my side, right? I went to actually, I went to lay down to look under the bed. And when I lent lead down on my, on my side, right. You're naturally your hips going to be lay, laying against the floor. I felt this big, like crunch sensation right where my hip was. I was like, what the fuck was it? It was, this, it was weird. I say crunch, but it was like, uh. I really don't, it's difficult to describe. It was like a bunch of kind of like lumps of fat that like moved around. So it was like a, like, you know, it, it fought it and then it just separated in pieces and, and then just was like, and I was like, what the fuck was that? And I'm, you know, I felt it and it felt like I had a bunch of lumps on the side, you know, uh, they were, I don't know. It was felt swollen, but I looked in the mirror and I saw a giant bruise on my hip and on my ass. And I was like, oh, that must've been when I fell. Okay, it's all just swollen and shit like that. And I leaned on a big, you know, I guess goose egg or whatever it is. I don't know what to call it, but it was just, it was, it, it, I didn't notice it. I didn't feel like I was really in pain. It was a little tender and I just chalked it up to that. But that was like my lean and I was like, oh, what the fuck was that? And I just, I felt these lumps. I felt, I was like, what the fuck is this? So everything else, the trip went off a hitch. I didn't really pay much attention to it again since I wasn't really feeling kind of, kind of all just felt thick in the area. And you know what? Maybe I was just distracted with the trip. I wasn't thinking about it a lot. Well, I've been home for quite some time. And I remember like, you know, after I was home for a couple weeks, maybe, or a week or so, I, I remember leaning on the floor of my room, something happened. I think I told you guys I was cleaning at one point and I got shortness of breath from, you know, um, dust and stuff like that. Well, 
Oh, I was talking about the exploding Cokes. I believe it was actually when I leaned like my, my little mini fridge on the floor. when I had to lean on my, like lay down on the floor to clean out the fridge and wipe everything down. I, I felt that crunch feeling. And I was like, okay, what the fuck is that? That's still there. And I looked in the mirror. There was no bruise or anything anymore, but it felt big. And then I, I was like, I was, I don't know if I was, you know, scratching it. Sometimes when something's healing, it feels itchy or whatever. And I remember thinking like, what the fuck, what is like feeling in there? And I could feel lumps. I was like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Like what, what is in there? And, I, and then I felt one of them and one of them was like the size of a golf ball. I'm like, what the fuck is, what is that? You know, like, is that there's big, hard lumps in there, you know? And part of me thought, well, that's not like a bruise. A bruise doesn't usually turn into big fucking lumps or whatever. So I was a little freaked out by it. I was like, okay, what the fuck is this? And sometimes people are like, well, you fell and you hurt yourself. It's normal for something. Like it's not, you never noticed it before. It's like, no, but here's the thing. Um, I'll give you a small example. I have a friend. Uh, I don't know if this is kind of personal, so I'm not, not going to name his name, but, uh, he's a comic and, um, he had, I think it was a hemorrhoid or something like that. And it was right near his anus. Well, I don't think it was on the inside. I think it was right near his anus and it started bleeding or whatever. Um, it might actually have been right on the inside. Um, either way he got a hemorrhoid and something he did or whatever caused it to bleed. And he went to his proctologist and his proctologist was checking the hemorrhoid and actually found, uh, a lump just in the inside that was precancerous. So he got the, you know, surgery and it taken out and everything like that. And he's fine. Now, the only thing is his doctor was even saying like, if you didn't have that hemorrhoid, I would have had no reason to you know, look in there. I did, I wouldn't have found that other thing. So my head, of course, and this was like, I was chatting with the guy in December. So this was also a very recent conversation. Um, but it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, well I fell and I hurt myself, you know, and I'm rubbing the sore kind of area or whatever, but I'm like, did I find these lumps because, you know, I, I fell, you know, I'm like, is that, cause there's, I mean, to this, to this moment, in case you're wondering, I'm going to fast forward. They're still there. You know, some of these lumps are still there inside me. Um, but I was just like, okay, what the fuck is this? Like, so I'm like, well, you know, you did just fall. And of course, over time, some of the swelling has gone down, but there's still these lumps inside. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck? Like, you know, and we're also in this time where everyone's locked down at this point we're we're all under quarantine. So I'm like, okay. You know, is this gonna be a story? Like I have so many things in my life where I'm like, oh, you know, if I had just done this, you know, it's hard enough for me to, to, to want to get a hold of my doctor, or whatever. I remember I, sp I spoke to, sorry, I'm kind of all over the map trying to keep track of, of the, the way things went. But I remember I went for a walk with my mom at one point outside. We met outside. We stayed, you know, more than eight feet apart, but I was just telling her, I'm like, I think I'm gonna need to call my doctor. Cause I think I've been like over a month now and I've had these, like, I've got like these lumps on my hip. And they shift. That was the weirdest part to me. It wasn't like a, like a, you know, like a, a lump in your skin. Like if you got a bug bite or, you know, a really bad thing of acne, this is like these, these lumps are one of them's like the size of a grape in there. But the thing is that they shift. So it moves like from behind my hip to like, and it's like the lower part of the hip towards the leg, right? Right. Basically if I'm wearing a belt, it's right around where the belt wears. So it's right on the side of my hip, right at the part that sticks out the most. And I can slide the lump from sort of behind my hip up onto the side of my hip. And it, it moves around kind of on its own, depending on how I'm sitting or whatever it is. I can't roll over in bed because if I roll over 
kind of across it, it really hurts, um, which is a good thing. The only thing that's odd about it is that the pain has only started to get worse lately. The size of them has actually started to go down a little bit, not a whole hell of a lot, but so anyways, long story short is, is I think I spoke to my, my shrink and he's also a practitioner. So I remember at the end of one of our sessions, I just asked him, I said, Hey, is there anything like, I know, I know, I know you can't really give me medical advice, but I'm like, is there anything that would like, I told him about it and he's like, well, it could be sometimes you get, you know, damage and it takes a long time to heal. And I know that fat things and fat tend to stay infect, not infected, but, uh, uh, inflamed and, and they take longer to heal. So Anyways, I, I finally was able to, uh, get a hold of my doctor's office. I, I had to actually had a bunch of issues with that. I called my doctor's office and they were saying that, you know, we're only doing phone things like this is, this is all an automated message. But then when you click, you know, five to leave a voice message, they said, please call, but you know, the office is only open from this time to this time, please call back during business hours, except I was calling during business hours. So I tried a few days in a row trying to see if, you know, maybe their, their box is full and this is the automatic message, but I kept calling and I. And it would just say, please call back during business hours. Goodbye. Except it was business hours. So they ended up having a nurse line for other things. So I called the nurse line and said, I'm really trying to get a hold of the main desk, but it's not letting me through. So anyways, eventually a nurse called me, thank God. And, um, that's also an example of when you follow the rules, you know, you cannot get help. But I just, I just called one of the other lines and said, please, can you get in touch with them and tell them I'm, I'm trying to schedule an appointment with my doctor and I can't get through. So anyways, after that. I, I spoke to my doctor and he was like, well, it could be like a bursa. He's like, have you ever heard of bursitis? And I'm like, yes. He's like, well, sometimes there's a bursa, which I guess I could look it up and find out what it is. He goes, but sometimes like if you fall on one of those, like you can, you can hurt it. He seems to think that it's, it's just injury related and it's going to take a long time to heal. Um, so I felt a lot better about it, but I can tell you like sitting here, you know, if I tell you guys, all I do is watch TV and play video games and do a little bit of writing or whatever reading, you know, it's like, Oh, it's great. I'm like, yeah. But when you're sitting here with like lumps that are scaring the shit out of you and they hurt and there's nothing you can do about it and you don't know what the fuck it is, you know, and you don't want to just, you can't just walk into the hospital and go, okay, this is freaking me out. Can we check it out, please? You know, that's, that's not a fun time. So luckily for me earlier this week, when I spoke to my doctor, I got, I guess, and this is just over the phone too, right? This is not a video call. This is not you know, him looking at it or anything like that. It's just him listening to the describe. He's asking me to put my hand kind of on my belly button. And then is it, you know, above or below or whatever to the hip? Like it was, it was a little different dynamic of finding out, but either way, he's, uh, he's pretty confident. It's nothing to worry about. It's just going to take time. And he said, and once this is all over, you know, come in and, and we'll take a look and see if it's still there. We'll, we'll see what we do. He's like, but if it gets bigger, call me back. So it is, it is very slowly shrinking, but we're talking about two at this point, more than two months since the, the fall. So anyways, that's, that's something that's been on my mind. So, uh, you know, sorry to talk about it for so long, but, but for the last two months, I've been kind of like, what the fuck is this thing on my hip? And why isn't it going down? Like at one point it felt like someone cut a golf ball in half and was just, and it could just slide around between the back of, you know, the side of my hip and then right up on the side of my hip, you know? Um, but yeah, even just sitting here now, like I can reach down and, and touch it and, and it's, it's a, a big fucking ball and ouch. And it shifts around. Yeah. It's, it's fucking weird. It's weird, but whatever. Hey, um, I just felt like if I didn't get it checked, if I didn't call a doctor, cause everyone, you know, everyone's like, that's ah, fine. I think I told uh, my, my good friend red when we were playing, I think I told her about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things that was kind of freaking me out. I'm glad I spoke to my doctor, but he seems to think it's, it's no big deal. I just remember saying that 
with my luck, like I, I just treat it like, ah, it's no big deal. We'll figure it out later. And then when the quarantine's over, you know, two, three months or whatever, go to my doctor and he's like, why don't you tell me about it, man? If I, if we, yeah, it's cancer and it's this and that. But if, you know, if we, if we'd found it two, three months ago, we would have been, you know what I mean? So I was like, all right, let's take that bit of shit off the table. So that's, that's a, that's a big thing that's been on my mind, you know? And I know that some of you guys, something like that happens. You're like, ah, it's no big deal. Or you're like, oh, oh, well, we'll figure it out in time or blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. That shit scares me, man. I don't, you know, I know that you don't, you don't get like, for the most part, cancer attacks, organs and things like that. But I've heard of, you know, people getting, getting, uh, tumors on their spine and things like that. And it's like, well, what's spine's not an organ, you know, unless there's shit in your spine, that's an organ that I'm not aware of. Anyways, all I'm saying is that shit fucking freaks me out. So on a lighter note, um, I, uh, I have been still playing video games. They are an excellent distraction from simple, stupid, lumpy fears. Um, I played, uh, been playing overcooked, been telling you guys about that. It's a great little kitchen programming game, you know, like, uh, it's, it basically gives you a real feel for a kitchen is, is, you know, you got multiple chefs in the kitchen and everyone has tasks to do and you stick to your tasks. Don't worry what everyone else is doing. Just get your shit and communicate. That's another big part of working in a kitchen is communicate what you need. That's why they always do that. Yes. Chef bullshit on chef Ramsey's thing or whatever. The whole idea is people say they need something and they need you to acknowledge the fact that they heard what you need. So um, great game. In fact, uh, my, my little buddies, uh, Rich and Chad in New York have also uh, since purchased it and they just purchased it this evening, as a matter of fact, and, uh, and, uh, start, uh, start to play with them a little bit soon, just a fun little time killer, but it's a cool little brain exercise. I've been playing with a friend in Finland, as a matter of fact, um, we met on the online version of this, but we chatted a little bit and she's teaching me a little bit of Finnish, um, which I believe is what you call the language. People in Finland speak Finnish. Um, but yeah, so that's, I don't know. It's fun. Um, I'm having a good time. It's a great little game. It's honestly, it's a simple, cute, adorable little game that I, uh, I've completed. I finished all the levels and everything, but you can still go online and, and play with other people. So I had some fun with that. I actually streamed, uh, playing it this afternoon and I got one of the highest, you know, viewer counts that I've gotten in a long time, uh, streaming. So that was kind of cool. Um, I played a telltale game. Telltale, uh, does a bunch of different licensed games. So they do, they do these, what they call quick time events. So for anyone who's not a gamer or whatever, think of it like you're playing a movie only there was, there was like games like this back in the eighties or whatever. I think if you remember correctly, one of the first like Lucasfilms arcade games was like dragon's lair or dragon's quest, where you'd basically be watching a cartoon and then it would tell you to press left or right. And you'd have to do it in time or you, you know, the next, it's almost like a choose your own adventure but just, there's only one adventure. You just have to, to move the, the buttons or hit the buttons or the direction at the right time. Well, telltale games are, are a little bit more intricate version of that. Not by a lot, but just you, you, it is more of a choose your own adventure because they, they say that theoretically you get different endings based on the, the selections you make, but the overall story is, is linear. You just get little dialogue differences and you might get, you know, one of two endings at the end, which are still very, very similar and linear. Um, but telltale gets a lot of big licensed, uh, you know, franchises that they tell stories for. So for example, they got, uh, walking dead was one of the first big ones they got. They got back to the future. They got Jurassic park. They got Batman. They got, uh, guardians of the galaxy. They got, a uh, a DC vertigo property called the wolf among us, which was one of my favorites that they did. But, uh, game of Thrones is another big one they got. And that was the one that I played this week. Now 
I'm not a big Game of Thrones fan. I did watch five seasons, sort of, sort of watched five seasons. My mom was watching it and I'd be like making dinner or doing dishes in the background while she watched it. Um, but, um, this one is, is basically it's, it's got like cameos from the, the major Game of Thrones characters, but you're playing like a, a family called the Foresters that, you know, and they're, they're, they're having constant issues with other families and houses or whatever, but it's just, uh, it was, it was getting good near the end, but then it just kind of fucked up. So here's, here's the thing. Telltale is a company that is now bankrupt. They're out of business. And I think the reason being is that they were a taking on a ton of licensing, which costs a lot of money, right? Rather than making your own stories, you're going with characters and shit that everybody already knows. Well, they were licensing all sorts of shit and they started to, a, their shit started to constantly be the same where it was like, you start to realize like, oh, my choices don't really make a big difference. Um, you know, it's always the same sort of flair. They talk, 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 talk. And then you pick a dialogue option that, like I said, you, you know, doesn't make a difference. And then, um, they, they started, okay. So they're all episodic too. So what they'll do is they usually give you like the first one for free. They started doing that model near the end. It was, they give you the first episode for free. And there was like always like five, for some reason, this game of Thrones one had six, but you would, you would get these new episodes. So you'd play the first episode and then it'd be like, you hit the end. It's like to be continued. Right. And then like a month or two later, they'd put out the next episode and you'd download that and play it and to be continued. Well, the game of Thrones one was six episodes long. Okay. And they, they'd all since been out. So I, I would suggest playing these once they're all done and they're all out or whatever. Um, now they are, but the big issue is you got to the end of this one and it was a giant, like to be like, it may have well just been the end of an episode. Like it had the same sort of like, oh, okay. So you, I played the whole game and the story ends with a giant. Yeah. Nothing's changed. Like it, it's it, it, a huge letdown. Here's the thing. So they're like, oh, game of Thrones two will address it. It's like, well, they've gone into business, so there's no Game of Thrones 2. There was actually supposed to be a uh, Wolf Among Us 2, also kiboshed. They did four different Walking Dead ones, which I think the last one they actually had to call the final season. They did Walking Dead, Walking Dead Season 2, Walking Dead, I think it was like, well, what the fuck was her name? Oh, why can't I think Clementine's something or other, or like the Wild some stupid name, and then the last one was called The Walking Dead, The Final Season, and it was just like too many, too many things like that. Oh, whatever. A lot, there's other games out there that are kind of doing the same thing where you, like I said, I, I played that one, uh, life is strange recently. That one's a lot more like a telltale game. It was episodic. You pick choices, but your choices seem to make more of a difference in that. Not by a lot, but it had a, a little bit more entertaining story, I think personally. And it had that, that extra mechanic where you can rewind time and make different decisions and things like that. Um, I enjoyed that one. And then there's ones, um, that my friend Vanessa, uh, read who writes in, uh, read said that heavy rain is a good one like that. And Detroit become human is another one like that. And I gotta say, I started playing a game called until dawn on the PlayStation. And that's one where I'll give you an example in a telltale game. If you're in a fight and you don't hit the button in time, you get stabbed, you die. And then it goes, try again. And then you just, you basically keep doing it until you succeed. But the story still goes in one direction. Well, until dawn, uh, one of the big things that they said is like, if you do a quick time event and you fuck up, the reason they call it quick time is like in quick time, you have to press a button or whatever. So it's you being quick and, and timing things. Um, 
that they have quick time events, but if you make a mistake, so like, let's say you're crossing a river in until dawn, this is an example. This is not something that's actually in the game, but for example, let's say you're crossing a river and you have to navigate on stones and you fuck up when you fall in the water. Well, now that's the story. You fell in the water and you go down river and then you follow the story from that point, or you succeeded across and then you continue that way. So the idea is that the story is actually designed several different, uh, endings and movie or movements and things like that. And, um, just as a little bonus, uh, Hayden Penetieri, the chick from some shit. I, I don't know. Uh, I love you, Beth Cooper. Not a big deal. She's in it, but so is Rami Malek and Rami Malek is the one who just recently played Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. So it's got like a pretty decent cast of people, you know, uh, Peter Stormare, who plays like the Russian guy in just about everything Joel Schumacher's ever done, or what's his other face? The other fucking idiot. There's Joel Schumacher, and then there's a there's that one who did Gone in sixty seconds. Ah, oh. hey Siri, who directed Gone in sixty seconds? Which one? I oh, found for two. Fuck sake. Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, and what? Gone in 60 yeah, I gotta change it to a man so he'll just answer my question. Gone in 60 Seconds was directed by Dominic Cena. Nah. Who produced Gone in 60 Seconds, Siri? Who produced Jerry Bruckheimer? It doesn't say that, but I just fucking remember. That's the fucking idiot. So Jerry Bruckheimer movies and Joel Schumacher movies all have Peter Stormare in there. He was in Armageddon. He played... Uh... Which one? No, I'm not talking to you. You you had your fucking chance. Seconds. Go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fucking. That's been me under quarantine. Stir crazy yelling at, at, uh, Siri. Um, so yeah. Game of Thrones telltale was, was horseshit. The company since gone out of business, I will never find out what happens in that story. Um, who gives a shit? All right. Um, played another game. Uh, <laughs> this is like me, bitch. I, I actually, it was, it, Took me a long time to get through the Game of Thrones one because, like I said, you play in every, it's got six episodes. Every episode is like two hours long. So I would try to play one before bed. And then at the last, the last day I was like kind of getting into the story. So I was like, okay, I want to finish this. And then it just kept being hit cliffhanger, cliffhanger, and then big like climax and cliffhanger. I'm like, all right, well, fuck this game. Um, played a game called The Bridge. Um, and what that game is, it's a black and white game and it looks like it's done with like, like pencil drawings, sketches. Um, but then the, the, the premise of the bridge is, you know, those like old obscure perspective drawings where there's like doors and platforms and staircases, but like they're all different angles. So it's like you walk up a steps, you know, you walk up steps and now you're on a flat thing that would walk over to this and then down these other weird steps another way. Like it just, it's a, it's a very obscure drawing or picture. I, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I don't think I can do a better job. It's the kind of thing you have to look at and realize like it's, it's like a, what do they call it? Uh, paradox drawing where it's like, you know, the stairs couldn't like, you know, those ones where it shows a river running, right. And the river runs down and it pours into the bottom and then it runs all the way back at the top and then pours down again. And you're like, well, that's anti-gravity and shit like that. But the image looks like it makes sense. Anyways, that perspective drawings is what I believe they're called. Anyways. So the bridge is a game where you're actually a character who's like nav. you're kind of like walking along this. So not only are you kind of moving around trying to get into an entrance or something, but, um, you can turn, you can tw- turn the, the screen like a, like a clock, right? So you can rotate it. So not only are you moving a guy, but you're kind of rotating it to, to manipulate gravity. So now you can, you can walk upside down on this other spot because you've turned things around. So it's a puzzle game. 
And you basically will get like a picture and you're navigating it, trying to find like a key to open the door and then get through. But as the game goes on, they get harder and harder. And then they start to, you know, introduce things like balls that if you turn something around, well, the ball rolls down and kills you. So you can't do it that way, you know, and then inversions where you flip to the other side of the thing or, you know, it inverts your colors. So you'll be gray, but then you invert and now you're white and you can only walk through the door when you're in the white stage, you know, when you're, when you're white. Or the other one when you're gray and you're like, it's such a, it's such a great social commentary on classism. It's like, oh, of course, of course you can get in if you're white, if you're black. Nope. It's nothing you can do. Um, so I don't know. Draw those parallels if you want. But, uh, it was, it was, took me a few hours. And at one point I just had to go, I'm just going to watch walkthrough videos for the rest of it just to finish it. But, um, cause I can tell you there's some of them that I, I just never want to forget it. It's a, you need patience for shit like that. And I have too many games on my list to just figure out something. And no one will know that I ever did. Uh, my dad hooked me up. I went to uh, to get him, well, go with him to get some groceries at Costco the other day. And he brought me, uh, he knows I like Montreal Smoked Meat. He also is a listener of the podcast, so he's aware that I um, will be giving up meat, red meat, uh, by the end of June. But all meat by the end of October. Uh, sorry, at the end of September. So uh, he actually got me this uh, big, big. Uh, a bunch of Montreal smoked meat. So I've been making Montreal smoked meat kind of like meals associated with that. I chopped up a bunch the other day into little cubes and I fried it up with actually like cubed hash browns. So it was just basically smoked meat and potatoes. Delicious. I had that for a meal. I did uh, smoked meat sandwiches yesterday for breakfast. So nice, nice sliced smoked meat on the sandwich. Heated up nice with some, uh, I actually have uh, a bunch of rye bread here. So I, I did it proper. Smoked meat on rye bread with mustard, delish. And, uh, and then when I'm done recording the podcast, I'm actually going to make some, I've, I have some sweet potato soup, which is really, really boring on its own. Like really boring. It's from a, a great company called Sprog. Um, I have a lot of their soups. They're very healthy. And to be honest with you, when I'm looking for a quick meal, when I'm full vegetarian, I will be very happy to open up their shit and just pound it back. Right. Get that stuff. But the, uh, the sweet potato soup is very boring. So I also bought these, um, cooked brown rice and quinoa bags. They're kind of like the uncle Ben stuff, only it's a little bit better quality and they're organic. So throw them in the microwave, just heats it up. I'm going to add that to the sweet potato soup, give that a mix, right? To just make it a little bit more substantial, not as boring, a little bit of texture to it. And then I'm going to, you know, salt and pepper, couple little shots of Frank's red hot to give it some kick. And then I'm going to fry up again, some more chopped up smoked meat and then throw that in there. So I'm going to turn a, a boring soup into uh well, a couple meals and uh, something interesting. Hey, wasn't that a great story to listen to? Huh? Huh? All I'm saying is I got all this smoked meat that I got to make use of that I'm enjoying. And, uh, and then my dad has been, been doing like a lot of people, right? I mentioned this before. A lot of people are making bread and things like that. Um, so my dad's been, uh, been making sourdough, which I didn't know the name of when I was young. I actually knew sourdough when I was young, but I didn't know it as sourdough. I knew it as monster dough. Has anyone else? Everyone else ever heard of that? And I, and I never knew, ever knew what happened to monster. And then I started eating like sourdough bread and things like that. And I had no idea that it was the same thing where it's basically like perpetual bread. And then every day you got to remove some and then add new ingredients to kind of, to, to keep it, you know, going. But, uh, anywho, um, yeah, my dad's, uh, my dad's been making all sorts of sourdough stuff, sourdough pancakes, sourdough bread. Uh, I've been making sourdough, uh, cinnamon buns. And when he came down uh, the night before he had made, made me some, so I'm thoroughly enjoying them. Um, the sourdough, uh, cinnamon buns are great. Uh, thank you very much, dad. I know you're listening. Um, so yeah, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed the smoked meat, thoroughly enjoyed the cinnamon buns. I got one left. 
Um, so I'll hit that up Tamara, but, uh, yeah. So how about that? Some interesting stuff. And I'm actually at the point now where, you know, um, it, everything's not as dire and as locked. Like I assumed that they were going to be getting more strict with quarantine, but it seems as if, you know, it's funny actually today's the first day I got up and haven't, haven't looked at the, the COVID numbers. Hmm. That just occurred to me. So I, I think that's a good thing, but, um, was in a bit of a chat group yesterday with my, uh, my colleagues from the Nespresso last thing I did. And they're saying that, uh, Quebec of all places and, uh, and then Saskatchewan are going to start opening things up again, uh, mid May or May 4th, I believe was the number that they said. So I think that's like less than two weeks away. Um, but there are a lot of places are starting to, to go like our numbers, um, have never been, you know, higher in terms of like the, the, the country still has more and more cases every day. Um, but it looks like they seem to think that it's going to start ending soon. So, um, you know, having said that, I, uh, I, I have, it really didn't get to the point where, and I wasn't like, it's going to be martial law and you're not gonna be allowed to go out. But I was like, as more and more people get sick, hopefully people start smartening up and, uh, you know, staying home and, and things like that. Well, that isn't the case. As a matter of fact, um, even my roommates are, are out more than their home. Um, so I think people just don't give a fuck. So there probably will be a second wave, but, um, the reason I say all that is because I, uh, bought a lot of food stuff. Cause I'm like, okay, well we're going to be stuck at home. So I want to buy some shit and I want to have some variety. Well, now I got a bunch of food. It is not difficult to, to go and get more stuff at all. Um, it's not like toilet paper or anything like that. Uh, except for the, uh, there's been some news report that out, out West, uh, like one of the biggest meat packing companies in the country, um, a shitload of their employees all got COVID. So it shut down. So it's harder to get meat. And that was evident when I was at Costco the other day. Um, anyways, all that's to say that I have a bunch of food. I also have to go through it because in, um, you know, two months I'm not eating red meat anymore. So I have to make sure that, you know, the ribs and some of the things that I have that have meat on them, red meat anyways, are, are used up. I still have some chicken breasts and things, but, um, that can wait. So I really should spend some of this, uh, enormous free time that I have and go through my, um, go through my, my, you know, my freezer and just kind of look and see what I have. I have veggie burgers and shit like that, but they've been in there a while. So I should want, kind of want to use them up. Um, whatever. That's not exciting shit. That's just, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do to keep myself from going crazy is like, I, I got things to take a look at. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, that's not a bad thing. I'm not, not bitching, not complaining. Uh, Nova Scotia guys, Nova Scotia. My, uh, I had a bunch of onesies listening from Nova Scotia. They were one of my biggest listenerships. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got friends. My buddy, Matt is, uh, is from, well, lives in Nova Scotia. He's actually here visiting his mom in Gatineau at the moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, sh the shooting for anyone who's not really following the news, there was a, a guy who was, I think he was a dentition. Um, and he, he restored old, like, you know, police vehicles and RCMP, which is the mounted police, um, vehicles, right. And, um, and not horses in case that's what you're thinking. Oh, he restores horses. No, they do drive cars, but, uh, yeah, he dressed in a uniform, uh, got in one of the vehicles that he restored to look like an RCMP vehicle. And he drove around, uh, murdering people. And of course it was a lot easier for him to do it because he was dressed as an officer. So people had no reason to be afraid. Um, murdered, I believe the final number, the least the last time I heard was like 19 people are dead. Um, 
again, not really my story to tell whatever, but I know somebody who said that, um, the, that his family knew the guy. Um, and Lord knows like where they live is where he was on his way back to when they, they stopped him. So he could have been on his way to that area where, where the people he knew there were next on his list or whatever. Um, so they're a little, I don't say like they're not shook, but it's scary stuff to think like, holy fuck, you know? Um, again, I don't want to give any, I can't give you too many details without being specific or whatever. Uh, you know, and I guess it's not really my story to tell, but all I know is that I have somebody who, who was close enough that they were like, it could have happened. Like we could have been on that list of, of, you know, the dead. So I'm glad everybody's okay. I'm so sorry to, you know, the, the whole province of Nova Scotia. There's so, so many good people there. I've been there. Um, people are nice. People are kind. It's not really the kind of place where you would ever expect that kind of thing to happen. Um, so just from this, from this humble little, you know, funny guy, uh, send in, send in one man podcast love to you. And I'm sure that there's other onesies out there who are sending love. So Nova Scotia, if you're still listening and enjoying the podcast, please know that we're thinking of you and, you know, I hope everybody's okay. Hope all your loved ones are okay. Um, you know, just, it's a, it's a, like at a time like this for all that to happen again, it's just kind of shitty, right? I mean, like you're already quarantined. You already got enough things to fear. And then a guy dressed as someone who you would expect to protect you, you know, like it's basically like all your guards are down, just making it easier. Eh, whatever. We, we all know a cowardly thing. Oh, I wanted to add this. It's a, it's a cowardly thing to do. We all know that. Um, I was watching our prime minister Trudeau saying, don't give this guy like they, the, it was funny too. Cause I was waiting for the prime minister to do his regular address. So we're watching all the other stories and they're talking about it and they're saying what this guy used to do and where he's from, whatever. And I don't think they said his name. Cause they're like, we don't have his name yet or whatever, but they were just reporting everything. And then when the prime minister spoke, he said, please, I'm asking all media, do not say his name. Don't talk about who he was or anything like that. Um, we don't want to give him the gift of infamy. And it's funny too, because I was telling Jason that when I spoke to him, Jason goes, who cares? Like, why does it matter? He's dead. It doesn't matter. And I go, yeah, but sometimes talking to him is like the most fucking frustrating thing. He just doesn't get things. Anyways. Um, I said, well, it's because if you say his name, like he becomes infamous for me. He goes, yeah, but he doesn't care. He's dead. It's like, but that's what he, like a lot of these guys, it's, you know, you can shoot up a school or something like that. It's like, Oh, nobody knew me. No one paid attention. Well, they'll, they'll know me now. And there's, I believe I, I listened to a podcast about uh, true crime. And one of the things they say is I believe it's a movement called like, don't name them or something like that. Something similar. And the whole premise behind it is that like, look, a lot of these people will, you know, will try to kill and hurt a bunch of people because they want to be known. Right. They want to, they, they want that infamy. And the whole idea is like, they say, don't name them because if they see that, that you're not like the median that doesn't name the killer, then someone who like, it's not for the person who's already done it. It's the idea that other people who think maybe, Oh, I'll do it because look how famous that guy became. And it's like, well, no, we're not, we're not going to give them that infamy. Like how many, I'm a comedian. You know how many times people reference fucking Jeffrey Dahmer or, or, you know, not necessarily Paul Bernardo. That's more of a Canadian thing, but like, Ted Bundy and all this, like, but the fact that we know who they are, we know their names, everything like that, they, they continue to live on and they're, they're examples of this and yada, yada, yada. But the whole idea is going forward is like, if someone's going to do something like that, kill a bunch of innocent people, you know, in a, in a shooting spree, you know, they're not, they're not like a serial killer who's trying to get away, away with it. This is somebody who's like, you, you know, when they start shooting in public and doing things like that, so you know that you're not living to the end of the day. 
So the whole idea is you got to know their motive is so that people will know who they are or whatever. And so this don't name it, you know, initiative or policy, or whatever is more, don't give them that infamy. So if anyone's wondering like, why won't they say the guy's name, whatever it is, it's like, that's, that's part of it. Um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, guys, Japanese PlayStation store, uh, sale. Um, I'm going to make this one real quick. This is just for anybody who, who's interested in it. Um, there's a lot of games like the, uh, the Capcom ones and the Square Enix games and things like that. Um, I picked up some cause they're like all like half price or cheaper. Uh, I bought final fantasy seven, the original for like less than 10 bucks. Um, same thing with final fantasy nine, final fantasy 10, and it came with 10 too. And then I bought like the entire kingdom Hearts series for like $40. It was down from like 130. So yeah, there's some really cool games on there. If you like shit like Mega Man, that's Capcom. There's a lot of Resident Evil stuff on there, but a lot of the ja- Japanese developers and things like that, all in a Japan sale on uh, PlayStation. I don't know if the same is true of Xbox. Um, but again, if you're stuck inside and you want some long games, I'll tell you those Final Fantasy games are long. You want something to play that's long, eat up a lot of time for almost no price. You can buy the original Final Fantasy. It was three discs, took forever for like 10 bucks, you know? And if you can't afford the Final Fantasy VII Remake, fucking get nostalgic then. Play the original, 10 bucks. Um, enjoy yourself, okay? Boom, boom, bingity, bang, bang. Okay, so having said that, um, you guys know that I'm a whiskey guy. You should by now. If you if you don't, you haven't been listening. So I uh, have been just sipping away on my whiskey. I, I would say I'm drinking more now than I was before. Um, I actually had a really cool video chat with my friend Fallon last night. We were chatting uh, you know, via Facebook video or whatever the hell it's called. And, uh, and have a drink. It was funny. Cause she reached out to me, I guess a couple of weeks ago and was like, Hey, you want to, you want to have a drink? And I was like, Oh, where are you in the area? Like you want to sit in the back part? And she's like, no, like virtually. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, I got drinks. You got drinks. We can just sit and have a drink and chat. So we did that again last night. And, um, I've been drinking a uh, wild Turkey bourbon called long branch. Um, I had it, the world of whiskey shows first time I tried it. It was actually very, very nice. Uh, it's milder. So if you're, if you're, you know, if you like Jack Daniels, something like that, and you're like, oh, I wouldn't mind trying, you know, more of like a bourbon type bourbon, uh, wild Turkey long branch is a, a great one. Um, I tried the world of whiskey show. Like I said, I enjoyed it. Uh, found out later that it's actually Matthew McConaughey's bourbon. Um, obviously he makes it with a real bourbon professional, but, um, and I, I guess I could Google it and find out more of what his involvement is, but, uh, long branch is a good bottle. It's uh, 60 bucks Canadian. Um, I found a bottle a few weeks back. Uh, at the LCBO for 48, it was like on clearance at this particular store for 48. And I was like, yeah, 12 bucks off sold. So I've been, uh, I've been enjoying that. Uh, that's my bourbon for, uh, for the last little while, you know, and I, again, I'll have like one or two ounces a day if that, so it's not a lot. It's just something to sip on while I'm either reading or, or, you know, watching TV or playing a game or something like that, or sitting and having a Facebook chat with a person. So, uh, yeah. But, um, I dig whiskey guys. I like, uh, scotch is my favorite. Obviously I went to Scotland. The whole point of the Scotland trip was to go see whiskey distilleries. The comedy was added very late to that because that wasn't really my priority. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like the taste of whiskey. Rye is my least favorite only because it's just a lot of spice and there's not a whole lot of, um, uh, I guess range to it, which might anger rye people. I still drink rye. I still have several ryes here. But it's just not my my go-to in terms of whiskey. I scotch first, but bourbon is an incredibly photo finish second. Uh, and then, you know, like the fat kid in gym class running up the rear is, is rye. Um, <laughs> but 
but still in the race, still in the race. Um, so I just wanted to say that I'm going to try, I'm going to start throwing in some, uh, some little, little whiskey tidbits, uh, for you guys. So just some, some whiskey information that, um, you know, if you have been, if you're curious, right. Cause I didn't get into whiskey until I kind of was hanging out with someone who was into it. I had a drink with them. We're doing some whiskey tastings through my marketing companies and then was asked to do a whiskey show where, again, that whiskey show was where I was given some bottles from other vendors. Uh, I was allowed to try some of the, uh, the things like Long Branch that I tried and really enjoyed. Um, and it all kind of grew from there. So, um, just something fun for you guys. I'm going to give you like a little, like a little piece of information that actually exists for a lot of spirits, but I will, I will speak to its certainty only in whiskey. So today, I'm just going to give you one little piece of uh, whiskey trivia. Okay. So some people, I remember somebody saying this a very long time ago and they were, um, I, I, th- I believe that they're correct in what they were told, but the information itself is not correct is, so let's say you're looking at a, uh, a whiskey and it says 12 years old. Okay. What that, what that's called for starters, whenever they have a year on it. So I'm staring across, you know, at my whiskey shelf right now and I have a uh, Lafroy 10 year old and I've got a Highland park 12, uh, 12 year old, but then I've got next to it. I've got the Lafroy quarter cask and I have an Auchentoshan three wood. Well, the quarter cask has no age on it. Neither does the Auchentoshan. So what they call that whenever they put an age on it, cause you have ones that have an age, some that don't, they call that an age statement. So whenever someone's, you know, referring to, oh, the, the age statement line, you know, expression in the line. They call it an age statement. Okay. That's what, that's what having an age on it is. You, you hear it a lot. And again, if you get into it and you're watching whiskey channels, stuff like that, someone might be like, you know, oh, I really like this Lafroy, whatever. There's no age statement on it. So if you're like, what does that mean? It just means that they don't have an age. It's not a 10, a 12, it's not a 16, it's not an eight, whatever it is. There's no age statement. Um, that doesn't mean it's worse. It just means there's no age statement on it. Um, but the piece of information that I was going to give you guys is that when it says, as an example, 12 years old on it. Okay. It's not saying that that one bottle, the whiskey in it is all a 12 years old. It means that the youngest barrel in it is 12 years old because, um, whiskey is stored at different parts of, of different warehouses and the temperature in one you know, warehouse is going to be different than the temperature in another one and the temperature at the top of a rick, which is where they, where they put the barrels, right? So it's like a, you know, shelving, if you will, um, or scaffolding is they usually have barrels about three barrels high. So the barrel at the top of the rick is going to be hotter than the barrel at the bottom of the rick, right? Cause that's just how temperature works. The warm air rises, it's hotter at the top and it is at the bottom, right? More shade, all sorts of things. So the whole idea is if you have two barrels that are 12 years old and one of them is on the top rick of the top floor and the other one's in the bottom rick of the bottom floor, well, those two are going to taste different in the sense that one of them hasn't expanded out into the wood as much as the other ones, not to mention that the air is different up there. So the air quality and the things that are absorbed through the wood, it's going to be different. They're both 12 year old barrels, but they're going to have a bit of a different taste. So the idea is that the master distiller's job is to blend those whiskey barrels together. So when they open them, they blend them together so that they get the, what's called the taste profile of, of the 12. But the thing is you could have older barrels. They could have a a, a 16 year old barrel that they mix into it to give it that taste so that the final product tastes like uh Highland park 12, right? The youngest barrel in it is still 12. You're not gonna have a 10 year old barrel in there. They're not, they're not going to, to put less 
a lesser product in there, but you could have some 14 year old barrels. You could have some 16, you'd have a, you got a 23 year old barrel in there. If it, if, if by mixing that, they get that more text. Cause a lot of people are going, well, how, how's it consistent if one barrels in one where well, it's not, that's the whole idea is that you don't have one barrel in one place and it's all just a bottle. They don't open a barrel and pour it into a bottle. There's other things that they do too. I was trying to keep this with just the, what the age statement means, but I've heard people say like, you know, that, that only some of what's in there is 12, right? It's not all 12. It's like, yeah, but they're not screw like the, the part that's missing. It's not them screwing you. It's actually giving you an older one. So when you see an age statement on a bottle of alcohol, again, I know this to be sure, uh, true of whiskey. Um, I don't think there's any rules or, or, or loopholes that allow people to lie on other things like rum is age sometime tequila is age sometime. Um, but basically whiskey, if you see a, an age statement on it, it means that the youngest barrel in that bottle is at least 12 years old. So I'm looking at my Highland park 12, there could be older in there, but it means that they're blended together, right? It's all the same product and all the same, whatever, but they're blended together until it tastes like the taste profile that they want for Highland park 12. There are, you do have the ability to buy, um, from one barrel. And then that case, you're going to see something listed on a, a bottle that says like single barrel or single cask or whatever it is. And what that's saying is that what you're tasting in that bottle came out of one barrel. Now there's another thing too, which is when you see, you know, like we are like, well, why, you know, um, <laughs> I could, I could go on for a while and I'll try to, I'll try to just wrap it. I'm trying to keep everything in this one particular aspect of the whiskey, but, um, what happens is, you know, uh, the, the alcohol percentages may differ because again of evaporation, um, which in Scotland, they have a really great name for it. And I, th I think it's been adopted pretty much everywhere. But the whole idea is that when you put barrels out and, you know, for them to age, well, there's still evaporation, right? Air is kind of breathing in and out, not, not easily, but it's still kind of happening and, and evaporation does occur. So uh, in scotch that it, it evaporates at about at, on average 2% of the product per year, um, of what's in there. And they actually call that the angel share, right? So the angels take their share. It's the angel share. So when they're just, again, being at a, at the distillery is listening when they were talking about the amount of that was gone and they said, you know, the usually is about 2% angel share. I knew exactly what they were talking about. Um, but some people might not, I remember someone in the group was like, sorry, what's, what's angel share and the evaporation and what, what's lost, but it's called the angel share. The angel share is much higher in bourbon because that's all in, you know, Kentucky closer to the equator. Well, it's closer to the equator. Not, it's not at the equator. It's closer to the equator, but it's a lot hotter there. So bourbon, uh, loses a lot more to angel share every single year, which is why they don't, you know, do like 10 and 20 year old bourbons because by the time they fucking, you know, open the barrel, there's almost nothing left. So, you know, two to four years is what they age them at in, uh, you know, in bourbon, Kentucky. Um, but anyways, going back to the single barrel stuff. So when, when you have all these different barrels and you're mixing them all together, the alcohol percentages and things like that can vary in them. So usually they're higher. And what they'll do is when they, when they dump them is what they call, they dump the barrels. Um, they will add water to them to get them. They call it proofing down, but they will basically get it down to like, you know, 40% or 43 is a lot of bourbons. You can find higher alcohol percentages, but there's laws and rules and regulations and things like that. Um, that govern them. But overall, you know, a whiskey that's in a bottle, not only is it generally speaking blended with other barrels to get that taste profile, but at the same time, there's usually water added to them. So you're going to see on, you know, boxes, they're going to see those age statements. 
Um, and then you may see, like I said, single, single barrel, but again, just because it came out of one barrel doesn't mean that they didn't add water to it, but it did in fact all come out of one barrel. So you get the taste of what one barrel was like. Um, then you have ones that are called cask strength. And what that means is that, uh, <laughs> it means that the alcohol percentage that was in it wasn't tampered with. There was no water added. It is the strength that it came out of the barrel at. Um, but just because it's cask strength doesn't mean that it wasn't blended with other ones, right? So you'd have a bunch of different, now this, this one, I'm, this is the only one I'm not 100% sure on, but I believe cask strength, you can actually have multiple dumps. And as long as you don't put, um, water in it, technically they are all, it is still a cask strength because no, no water was added, but you can still mix other ones together. Then you have your single barrel cask strength. So it came out of one barrel and no water was added. Um, I have a Jack Daniels single barrel select, um, which is at about 47% alcohol, but that doesn't mean that no water was added. Right. And then I have a Jack Daniels, uh, single barrel cask strength and it's 65% alcohol. Um, so how about that? Just some, just some whiskey information for you. So the age statement on it just means that the youngest barrel is that age in it. Everything else, it could all be 12, but it means that, you know, for the fact that it's at least 12 years old. Okay. But all of it blended together has the taste profile of what you can expect of a Highland Park 12, a Lafroy Tannic, Lenfittic 12, a Lagavulin 16. That's what the age means on it. That's at least that old. Okay. Single barrel. It all came out of one barrel, uh, cask strength or barrel strength. It has not had any, any water down to dilute it down to that, that alcohol percentage. Okay. There's a little bit of whiskey, whiskey tidbits, guys. That's what I got for you. Um, I can tell you more next week. I should probably write a note down, um, just so that I know what I talked about, but I can tell you all sorts of stuff, guys. I can tell you all sorts of different stuff about whiskey. It is fascinating as fuck. Um, guys, I read another one of my books from my pals at DK. I've been on chats with my buddy, uh, Chris at DK. Lots of fun stuff coming down the pipeline for them and their books. I keep my nose in paper for a long time. I already said the word books as a comic. You don't like to use the same word in a sentence twice. This week I read Myths, Legends, and Sacred Stories, a visual encyclopedia. Now it doesn't say Smithsonian on it, but it's saying also from DK and it has very similar styles to all the other Smithsonian books. So I do believe that this is in collaboration with the Smithsonian but if it's not, it's still just another amazing DK book. So again, myths, legends, and sacred stories. It has stories and, and, and in, you know, myths and legends and things like that from all over the world. So, you know, Europe, Asia, Oceania, the Americas, Africa. Um, I've been reading predominantly, I mean, I've read, I haven't read the, the entire thing just yet. Um, it's big, it's a big fucking book. Um, and you know, with my sleep clock all over the place, it's easy for me to fall asleep when reading. However, I have been, uh, reading quite a lot of it and I'm excited for more. So the, the main stuff I was reading in the beginning was the, like the, the Greek stuff about, you know, the creation and their stories and things like that. So, um, it, it's a great book. There's all sorts of different, and they also show you like statues and carvings and sculptures and, uh, cave, not cave drawings, but, but all sorts of different artifacts and things like that stonework that they've 
brought from, you know, uh, Greece and whatnot. So it's really cool. But I, I actually knew a reasonable, what I thought to be a reasonable amount about Greek mythology. Um, and through this book, I've learned quite a bit more. Um, so some of what I've learned right in the beginning, you had the, uh, the two, I don't even know what they were called the creators. I have to go back and see what they were called. Uh, it was, it was Gaia and Uranus or Uranus if you're five. Um, but the very beginning was, was Gaia and Uranus. And then they had the first creatures that they, they made the first creatures, uh, on earth, which was the Cyclopses, the three Cyclopses and the three hundred handed giants. There's a picture with the hundred handed giants looking like, look like some weird human centipede thing with like swords and stuff. Um, it looks like a tree trunk coming out of a bottom of like a giant human centipede. They've all, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's interesting how they do that, but, but then they had kids and one of the kids, uh, Kronos, um, tried to kill, uh, Uranus because I can't remember what it was. It was, he like, he locked away some of, I think the hundred handed giants in the, the underworld I'm trying to remember. I read so much of the stuff. It was fast. It actually didn't get fascinating at that point for me, but then you had the kids, you had the kids, Kronos, Reyes, Oceanus, Themis, uh, uh, all these different ones. And then they had, um, oh, I thought, I thought this was kind of cool. They actually had the muses and the muses. It says the Greek word, uh, Musian temple of the muses is the root to, of the term museum in many languages. So there you go. Muses and museum is, is very similar. Um, it was kind of cool. They talk about those kids and then they had kids and that's when they started to have, uh, what later became the Olympians. So Zeus, Aphrodite, Poseidon, uh, Hades, uh, Ares, those ones. So, and then they rose up against the other. Um, so, so it's kind of fucked up. So Kronos was cursed by his dad when he killed him. And he said, you too will be betrayed by your kids and they will come and kill you. So his wife, Kronos's wife, uh, what the hell was her name? Uh, Rhea, R-H-A-E-A, uh, Rhea or Ray, every time she had, she gave birth to a kid, Kronos would just swallow it. So at one point she tricked him on the last kid and wrapped a stone in a blanket. And when she showed it to him, he just grabbed it and swallowed it again. But the other kids that were swallowed were like Hades and Poseidon and all of them. Then at one point they did a ruse, which tricked him and he threw up all of the other kids who had, who had grown inside of him all those years and gotten strong and everything like that. It was kind of weird because you like in the stories, it's like every time they have kids and I would think like, Oh, like all, every time, you know, gods have kids, you would think that they would get slightly weaker than the previous God, but these ones seem to get only stronger. And maybe I'm nuts. Maybe someone was like, yeah, of course they would get stronger, but you would think like, Oh, it was kind of like, you know, you're not as strong as the God above you. It's, you know, wouldn't it be kind of wearing off or maybe it's just because you assume that they're saying like, that's how everything started and human beings came to be or whatever. So, you know, I, I would think diluted, not so much strengthened, but, um, they gave birth to the 12 Olympians, 12 Olympians were, um, okay. Let me say, uh, this is an alphabetical order. Aphrodite, Apollo, Ares, Artemis, Athena, uh, Demeter or Demeter, Hephaestus, who I can't, <laughs> I can't pronounce his name and I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, Hephaestus, H-E-P-H-A-E-S-T-U-S. Uh, Hephaestus, I'm going to call him Hephaestus or Hephaestus, whatever, Hephaestus. Hera, Hermes, Hestia, Poseidon, and Zeus. Um, but yeah, then there's a really cool rock carving actually has all of them on it with all of their, you know, signature things like Poseidon's on here and he's got his trident. Zeus is here holding a lightning bolt. Um one of the gods who was, you know, uh, Demeter carries a sheaf of wheat symbolizing 
her role, okay, uh, as the goddess of fertility and the agriculture, uh, you know, especially of the harvest or whatever. Um, there's a picture of Mount Olympus, or at least what was believed to be Mount Olympus in Greece. Um, it was kind of cool. And then, you know, they continue to go on. They tell you stories about each one of them. You know, Prometheus uh, was trying to make humans, which doesn't surprise me why they used um, Prometheus in... Uh, that movie Prometheus, you know, but the beginning of time and shit like that. Um, it was pretty cool too. Actually, there was something about Helios and, um, what the fuck there was, it was two Greek gods. And there's actually something that they used in, um, uh, what do you call it? Tales from the Borderlands. I was just playing, uh, Helios and something else was one of them was the name of, uh, the space station. The other one was the name of the planet. Hyperion, Hyperion and Helios. Hyperion was the name of the company. Helios was their space station. Both of them uh, named after Greek Greek gods. Um, and then they had uh, Pandora was the name of the one of the other planets that they visited a lot in that. And here's something really cool. They have a story about Pandora's jar in this. And it's Pandora had all these different things in her jar, you know, like famine, pestilence, all sorts of different things like that. And Pandora had them in the jar for so long. And she got curious about them. When she opened her jar, she let all of them out. And it says that she held in says says realizing her mistake pandora quickly shut the jar leaving inside the only good thing the gift of hope this gave people something to live for when surrounded by misery um i thought it was though i found i mean obviously this is an old story there's room for flaw logically but for me i was like well you let out all those things and those things are actually affecting human beings you know pestilence and that, that. so it's like oh so realizing her mistake she closed it leaving in hope but if you let out hope, wouldn't hope affect everyone? They would be affected with hope. So by leaving it in the jar, aren't you preventing people from getting it? Not, not, you know, protecting it for them. I don't know. That didn't seem to make sense. But everyone's like Pandora's jar, Pandora's jar. Correct. Pandora's jar. However, um, while the older Greek stories mention a pithos, which is a jar, modern retellings call it Pandora's box. So that's where when people say, oh, you're opening up Pandora's box or whatever it is, is it's in reference to, um, curiosity more than anything. So you say, ah, when you open Pandora's box, it doesn't mean that there's necessarily bad things in it in terms of the metaphor. There are, there were in Pandora's story, but the idea was that her curiosity to look into it is like, you know, you don't know what's in there, but she was so much, so curious. She opened it up. It's like, it's, you know, curiosity kills the cat, if you will. But this is the, the story Pandora's box or jar filled with shit. So if it's so curious, you open it up, you know, that's why they say, be careful not to open Pandora's box. If you don't know what's in it, is it really that important that you, you take a look in just, just to see, um, Anyways, uh, there's all sorts of stories, stories about Pygmalion, Apollo, the musician who was challenged to a musical competition. That one was interesting. Um, all sorts of things. Then there was one that I found a little interesting. I have always known Aphrodite as, um, the goddess of love and she is the goddess of love. Um, and she was married to that one. I can't pronounce, um, Hephaestus, Hephaestus or whatever the fuck it is. Um, she had an affair with Aries. She was, she was fucking around on him. All right. She was fucking around. And this guy felt embarrassed that his, his, you know, wife, you know, and, and fellow Olympian was, was cheating on. And he was like a, a blacksmith or whatever. So he made like a net to catch them in the act. He made a net with, with wire so thin that you couldn't really see it and, uh, and hung it over the bed. So when Aries and Aphrodite were fucking, um, he dropped, sprung the net, caught them, and then 
paraded them around to put them on display so that they would feel just as embarrassed as he had felt where I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Is it more embarrassing to be a cheater or a cuck? <laughs> um, but that's kind of fucked up though. I never, I never realized that she was, she was a cheater. She was an info. So the whole idea is you got this goddess of love, her whole, right. Her whole job is to promote love and she's a fucking cheat. Right. You'd think you would think that you would lose the position. All right. You would, you would lose your office for that, but no, apparently she's like a fucking Catholic priest. You know, you can completely misrepresent your thing and, and uh, it's not a one strike and you're out kind of policy. You know, all these religions, man, they don't mind if the people preaching the word are completely going against it. Um, but yeah, there's guys, there's all sorts of great stories in here. Uh, they have the stories of the, you know, the Knights of the round table and King Arthur, they have, you know, the Trojan, uh, the Trojan war, they have so much cool shit. They've got all sorts of American and African and Asian, uh, lore and myths and things like that. Uh, great book. I had a blast and I'm, and I'm only telling you guys about like the first 20 some odd pages, but it's great. Myths, legends, and sacred stories, a visual encyclopedia from my pals at DK. All right, so dk.com slash CA in Canada, just dk.com in the States, or just Google DK Books. Um, super, super cool. I wrote down all the different little ones I wanted to tell you guys about. Yeah, Aphrodite's affair with Jerry's, Pandora's Jar, Zeus, Pos oh, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades. So when they took on the original, uh, you know, Kronos and them, I think they were called the Titans, and then you had the, the Olympians. So when the Olympians took on the Titans and won, uh, they... Basically, I'm trying to remember they had the Cyclopses who were master, uh, blacksmiths and, and crafters. They created Poseidon. They were the ones who created Poseidon's trident and Zeus's lightning bolt. And then I can't remember what Hades got. I think Hades got a, a helmet to protect himself against them. But when they defeated the other gods, um, Hades, Poseidon and Zeus split up the world. So Zeus got Mount Olympus and he ruled over the sky. Poseidon got the ocean and ruled over that. And Hades got the underworld and ruled over that, which was where the, I think that the hundred handed giants and the Cyclopses were like banished to originally or whatever. So when you hear Hades, God of the underworld and everything like that, well, that was his reward guys. Great fucking book. All right. I, like I said, I, I thought I knew a lot about it. I didn't know about it. I, I, I've watched her face. I, 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 I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know about Aphrodite being a fucking who. All right. That bothers me. It bothers me. All I knew is I knew Aphrodite. I never, I, I knew she was the goddess of this and that, but then they put her in uh, that Kevin Sorbo show Hercules and man, they got a great looking chick to play Aphrodite goddess of love, man. And when she was a little minx, she was always flirting with somebody. I didn't know she was married though. Married. She was a fucking who anyways, um, coming up this week, guys, I'm going to sit down and play that game. Don't starve together again with my pal red. I've got a game called oxen free that I was going to play. And actually red sent me a text today saying like, Oh, oxen free is a great fucking game. I don't remember ever saying that I had that I was going to play it. So I don't know if that she just sent me a random recommendation or if she was addressing something that I said, because the way she said it sounded like she was addressing something I said. Um, I recommended the show Crashing with Pete Holmes to her. It's available through Crave or on HBO. Um, and she recommended me Westworld. She's watched an episode of, of that. I haven't watched an episode of Westworld yet, so I totally owe that to her. Got to check that out. But this weekend, Red and I are going to be playing Don't Starve Together on the PlayStation. I will be playing Oxen Free, um, which is apparently a great game. I'll let you guys know. I'm going to watch some Westworld. I'm going to watch uh, some more Ozark. And, uh, and that's it. I'm going to keep doing meal prep and making some goofy stuff. Like I said, sweet potato, smoked meat, uh, 
some spices, some quinoa and rice in that bad boy. Oh, it's going to be a magical time. Listen, you guys are fantastic. Sorry the episode was late. It's just the way things are right now. I feel like I I don't want to put in an episode until I actually have shit to talk about. So uh, thank you, onesies, for all your continued love and support. Hope that you're doing well during this stuff. If you got lumps on your hip, get them, get them <laughs> looked at quote unquote, get them, uh, emotionally lo- looked at, uh, metaphorically looked at by your doctor, um, through whatever means necessary. You know, I'm not saying break down his door and put a knife. Ooh, that would have been a bad joke. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, don't break down his door and put a knife to his throat. Right. You can find other ways. I was gonna say, don't dress like an RC. I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. Right. I don't mean it, but I was gonna say, don't dress like an RCMP officer. All right. Go to this house. Just, just follow the proper channels. And if the proper channels aren't working, how funny is that? I was literally preaching about how, you know, the regular channels didn't work. So I, I sidestepped it and I called the, the nurse's number and had them get in touch with them for me. All right. I'm advocating certain legal ramifications. All right. Don't go as far as to dress up as an RCMP officer and fucking, this is not me doing something in poor taste. I'm just saying, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> advocating. I'm not saying that's what his motive was either. <sighs> Why do I always find something horrible to say at the end? My fucking brain. It's not on my side. All right. Um, be safe, be well, stay home, do what they're telling us to do. All I've been listening to other things too, where people are talking about, like, they think that it's like a government conspiracy to keep you home. Um, all my, okay. So, so here's one thing. First off, um, the government wants you working. Okay. Um, they need you making money. They need you paying taxes. The government doesn't want everyone staying home and paying them to stay home. Um, if you think that, um, you guys know me, I don't really come at you. Um, but if you think that, um, I need you to trust me that you're wrong. The government doesn't want people staying home. They want people working. They want you for lack of a better term, as, as, um, Bill Burr says, they want you running on that fucking wheel like a hamster. Um, so it's not for the most part now. So, but I, but I tried to think like, I always do this. I was thinking to myself the other day, I go, what, what would be, let's just say the government does want this to happen. What would the motive possibly be? So I, I did, it didn't take me long to come up with something, but in my head, I was like, well, everyone's buying, I kept thinking like everyone's buying shit online now, you know, like you can't even, even if you're going to a store like Best Buy or something for the most part, you got to go online. Like my mom tried to buy a, a jacket for one of her dogs. Cause she's got a dog that's you know, puppies getting bigger now. And she's like, yeah, I got to take her outside, but she's, it's cold. I need a, I need a jacket for her. So even for PetSmart, you had to go online order the jacket online and then you can go to the store and pick it up. So all these stores are doing like online order pickups only, but this is what my brain came up with the, you know, what would, why would, if, if this whole COVID thing was like created and put out by governments and this and that, like what would the motive be? And I was like, well, what if they were trying to, you know, what if they were paid by these big, big online companies? Like what if this was a way to shift everybody into online purchasing, right? And when you're purchasing online, you can't just buy from any business, right? Cause a lot of small businesses and things like that aren't equipped for online orders. They don't have shipping facilities and things like that. So I was like, what if this is a big play to get like by these Amazon Jeff Bezos motherfuckers to like, they pay a bunch of money to the government and go lock shit down, lock them down, get them buying from us. Right. What if this was like a, a, a hard, hard, hard attack on small businesses? You know, 
I'm not saying I believe this, but I'm saying if that was the play, then this would make a bit of sense. So big businesses, big corporate entities that have, you know, hundreds of locations and this and that, 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 you know, we're getting the money, right. You know, they make big campaign contributions and things like that. Right. But mom and pop shops don't. I, I would think this would be an interesting way to keep everyone in. And if you want to buy things, if you want to be consumed now, consumerism definitely keeps the economy going. Consumerism is definitely big for governments and things like that, taxation and whatnot. So consumerism, but being shifted to like the online where it's like, cause that's the thing before you're like, well, we can't make everyone buy online. There's the stores open. This and that we can't just shut down stores. Ah, but if we shut down because of a disease, and then we force everyone that even though the store's open, it's only open if you buy online. Because keep in mind too, like a lot of companies, they don't want to have a storefront. You know, it costs them more money than just having a warehouse that ships to whatever, whoever buys. It's a lot less to just, and to put inventory in a store that might not sell at this location versus another location. Like there's been years of market research and things like that to figure out, okay, which store should have which products, you know? shit, you know, like you've gone to a store where it's like, oh, sorry, we don't have it available here, but there's 12 of them across the city or there's 12 of them two hours away. It's like, well, why is there 12 there? It's like, well, it costs us money to ship shit around so that it's at the store. Should you decide to buy it? But if you go online, you can buy it and it'll be at your house in a few days. Right? So why are they paying big ass rents? That's why a lot of small businesses are scared. Well, we're paying rent in places and we can't afford to be there whatever. Again, I don't, I'm not saying I believe this, but I'm saying if I had to make a reason but I'm telling you right now, the people who are like, the government's trying to fuck us. I'll tell you those Trump people who are, who are protesting being quarantined. Um, they haven't thought that deeply. I will tell you that, that I'm confident. in. But having said that, um, have a great week. Don't work too hard. <laughs> um, I didn't even think I just used to sign off like that. Um, you know, enjoy this time. Do, do the things that you don't want to do. I was talking with my, with my shrink saying that like, I, I looked at him, I said, I guarantee you as a psychiatrist or whatever, psychologist, therapist, whatever, everyone's excuse is like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that, but I just don't have any time. I'm like, well, now everyone has time. I go, it's going to be really interesting for you to hear people kind of bullshit there, find a new a bullshit reason why they can't do the things that they know they need to do. Like things like me, like exercise and make food and shit like that. It's like, you know, you got, you got the time now. All right. So you're going to have to come up with some real interesting excuses. No one believes your excuses anyways, by the way, just in case. And they don't believe mine either. But it's going to be really interesting to hear the excuses people make when it's like, oh, I wanted to do this. Like, didn't you have two months to do that? Well, you know, I had to blah, blah. bullshit, bullshit. You just didn't want it bad enough. It's a, a real good time for us to figure out how full of shit we all are. Right. And the ones who aren't full of shit, they're the ones who are going to come out of this like fucking Adam and Eve looking pristine and holy shit. Look, you got your shit together. And I'm going to come up and be like, I got a lot of PlayStation trophies. I finished a lot of games. I read the first bit of a lot of books. Have a great week, guys, and I will talk to you again soon. Surrounding creating
fractal on a breaking wall. I see you, my friend, and touch your face again. Miracles will happen as we dream. But we're never gonna survive unless we get a little. Please. 